Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So enchanted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. It's good to see our clerk, Mordecai, has directed you down here to the basement underneath the Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. This is a, a bit of a laboratory here in the shop. You never know when one might need the services that require work in a laboratory or some sort of experimentation. And experimentation, I believe, is the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop because the streaming service Tubi has been slowly but surely working on an experiment of their own, an experiment into original feature films. And I thought today your visit to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop would be the perfect time to do a little experiment of our own. A double feature, if you will. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a quick look at two Tubi original features, Deep Web Murder Show and Unfiltered. So this past weekend, I was really excited because I wanted to see this new movie, Cobweb, that's out. And unfortunately, none of the movie theaters around where I live are showing Cobweb. So I was really, uh, well, I was pissed off and I was disappointed. Disappointed because I really wanted to see this movie. It looked pretty creepy and I, I dug the trailer for it. Looking forward to it pissed off because now what am I going to do for Monday's show? I, of course, we've got a movie that has come out on Netflix. They clone Tyrone, which is kind of a, got a sci-fi, even I, I think probably sci-fi, but it seems like it maybe has a tinge of horror to it. I haven't watched that yet. I'll probably watch that after I'm done uh, recording. Uh, and editing this episode, but uh, that's a, a possibility for Thursday's episode, but it really didn't have anything for Monday, and I watched a couple movies over the weekend on Tubi because I had been reading some articles, and I, I've seen these movies, but I really didn't, I guess I just didn't realize that they were Tubi originals, I didn't look for the little red uh, triangle up in the corner, but uh, I, I found out that Tubi had a couple originals that came out, uh, one was in early July, I believe July 9th, and then uh, I believe that was the No Filter, and then Deep Web Murder Show, I believe, came out more recently on July the 15th. So I thought, okay, I'm going to watch Murder Show because I saw the trailers. That's the one that looked more interesting to me. I watched it and I was like, I I don't even know if I want to do an episode on this on this movie. I was like, well, okay, I'll watch No Filter. And I watched that and I'm like, ah, it, it felt a little better. And we'll, we'll get into the details and the nuts and bolts of how I felt about both of these movies. And I felt like I'm not really feeling either one of these movies as a full episode. And then I thought, well, I do want to talk about them. And even more so in the bigger picture, I want to talk about Tubi 
diving into the original movie arena because you've got a lot of streaming services. Of course, Netflix has cornered the market on on original movies, getting some of the biggest stars and some of the biggest talent in Hollywood to helm their movies. You've got Hulu doing the same. Shudder has even, you know, they've started putting out some original stuff. Screenbox, you know, here and there gets an original uh, film from time to time. And of course, like Shudder, Shudder does a lot of just buying properties that that come out they they scan the film festivals and they they buy the rights but every once in a while they have a shutter produced original and they do that a lot with their documentaries uh just watch the shark exploitation i might do a random curiosity on my thoughts on that because i really enjoyed uh shark exploitation but stuff like that but even the children of the corn remake which i absolutely fucking hated uh was a shutter produced movie early in part produced this movie so shutters getting into the game and now you see Tubi doing the same thing now i think it's a similar situation to shutter where they're not producing these movies they're not putting any money in but they are buying the rights to these films and of course Tubi is free it's based on revenue from advertising on their streaming service which i don't mind you know i grew up in the late 70s and the 80s. And, you know, you watch network television, you had commercial breaks all the time. I think we get a little spoiled in today's streaming climate where we just don't have the patience to sit through a commercial break anymore. I find myself doing that. But I think when you watch stuff on Tubi, it almost harkens back to those those good old days of TV, you know, when you're a kid. And you only had like three, the three networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and maybe PBS here in uh, Northwestern Pennsylvania, we could catch Channel 10 out of London, Ontario. Uh, if the, the antenna was turned just the right way and the wind was blowing just right. So, you know, you're very limited as to what you could watch. So, yeah, you're damn straight. You had to sit through commercials. and It kind of just takes me back to that. But Tubi, even though I've got feelings about the movies that they're they're picking for their, their originals and how it could be better, Tubi really is one of the up-and-coming streaming services for horror fans because Tubi has just a fantastic selection of horror to watch. I mean, I love Shudder, and I think I love Shudder more for the original content than I do for the classic content, even though they do have a lot of great classic titles. Uh, they don't have the amount that Tubi has, and, and the quality that Tubi has. Tubi has some really amazing franchises. I mean, yeah, they've got the low-budget bullshit horror movies that, that they did on a shoestring budget, and it looks like it, and it's acted like it, and it's directed like it. Yeah, they've got a ton of that. But they've also got a lot of the, the big names, the heavy hitters, some of the classics in horror fantasy, science fiction. You can find on there. You can watch them for free. You don't have to pay a subscription. You just got to watch a few commercials. And I think that's what I love about Tubi is that, you know, if I've got a chance to watch this for free, yeah, I'll watch it with a few commercials. That doesn't bother me. I grew up in the 80s. But I noticed here over the past couple years, Tubi has really been stepping up their game as far as bringing original content. Like I said, I don't think it's so much Tubi produced content as much as it is to be going to the film festivals and buying the rights to some some lower budget films. And that's one thing you do have to keep in mind. Uh, you have to keep in mind that 
some of the stuff they're buying. I, I think I, I did an episode on the top 10 monsters in America. I think it was one of their docu-series that they, they did or one of their documentary movies that they did. It, it was really, when you watch it, you could tell it was something that was made for television. And nobody in television, none of the networks, uh, none of the cable channels picked it up. So Tubi bought the rights to it. And it was a fun docu-series documentary to watch. You know, talking about some of the, the mythology and the monsters that, that we've created or that are or maybe possibly out there here in the United States. It was fun. Stuff like that. You can tell it's it's made for TV. So that's kind of the quality you're getting with Tubi. You know, they've got probably not a huge budget to go out buying films, but I think if they buy right they're going to have some really cool things on their hands. You know, some of the stuff that Shutter buys isn't big super studio quality, but if the the budgets are handled right and the acting is is chosen correctly, some of these lower budget films can turn out to be really good. And I think they've hit home runs with several over the past couple of years in Shutter, and I'm looking forward to Tubi getting better at that, getting better at picking movies that the the budget really was spent wisely and that you get a lot of bang for your buck. Now we're going to be talking about two movies that are Tubi original movies and I have to say both of these movies, The Deep Web Murder Show and No Filter, I didn't hate either one of these movies. I thought both of them really had solid ideas. I just don't think either one of these films were executed as well as they could have been. And while both of these movies had casting problems, they also had some really good casting that I enjoyed. And we'll, we'll talk about that. I'm not going to go into too much detail with either one of these movies since I'm trying to talk about two movies in the span of one episode. I don't want this to go an hour and a half, uh, even though I do have a tendency to ramble on in a stream of consciousness diatribe. But I'm not going to go into the characters too much, too deeply. And I'm not going to go into the plot too deeply, we'll, we'll give you a, a brief sense of it and some of the things I liked and didn't like about each film. So if you haven't watched either one of these Tubi originals, The Deep Web, Murder Show, or No Filter, uh, you might want to turn back now and go watch those movies. You can watch them for free on Tubi. Uh, go watch them, come back, hear my thoughts, and see how you feel about it compared to how I feel about both of these movies. And if you have watched them or you don't care one way or the other, you just want to hear... Uh, hear me talk about something. Maybe it's like that ASMR and it helps you calm yourself. Or maybe I, maybe I help you go to sleep. Uh, if that's the deal, then hey, you know what? Who am I to argue with uh, how the plays come, how the downloads come, just that they come. But uh, just all kidding aside, uh, if you haven't watched this and you don't care about spoilers or if you have watched this and you want to hear my thoughts on it we're going to press on but from here on out there are going to be spoilers but first one we're going to start with is the first one i watched deep web murder show and this was a a movie that i saw the trailer and i thought this was going to be the better movie i thought this was going to be the scarier movie and they start off the movie with this weird kind of showing you the present, then going back to the past. Showing you uh, the present, going back to the past uh, of this girl being abducted by these clown masked killers. And it starts out in the woods with these cameras and this girl's got this like GoPro or whatever, this, this camera strapped to her chest, filming her face. 
And it almost felt like a most dangerous game sort of scenario. But then the people that obviously kidnapped her stick her with a syringe, knock her out, and then take her back to some warehouse dungeon where it kind of had a Saw vibe to it. Kind of like a Saw meets Terrifier. And then we find out that it is these these clown masked killers torturing people with an audience watching online on the dark web or the deep web as they, they sometimes call it and, and call it in this movie sometimes. But they are bidding essentially Bitcoin and cryptocurrency to torture this girl. Whoever is the highest bidder, then the, the clown masked killers will do whatever they ask them to. And it's, it's a situation where you have to be invited to this group to, to be able to watch the show. And if you happen to find it by mistake or find it and you weren't invited, then they'll find you. And that's kind of how we, this this girl that we meet right off the bat, it ends up in the position she's in. Now, the movie starts proper and her brother, Ethan, who is a podcaster, he finds out that his sister died and starts this investigation to find out what happened to her. Now, I found it quite funny how uh, this Ethan character, played by Aiden Howard, he is a podcaster, and the crux of his podcast is these shits on the police, and kind of playing into the uh, social, political climate of the past couple years. I found it funny that he shits on the police and what a horrible job they do and this, that, and the other thing. And then when he's trying to to work with this detective that we'll talk about uh, coming up, the detective is not very forthcoming and not very helpful. And he wonders why. Well, you shit on the police for a podcast, for a living, and you wonder why they are not really eager to help you. Now, I don't know if that was a commentary on anything or not, but I, I found that quite ironic. The detective, though, uh, played by Josh Blacker, Detective Sawchuck. It's an interesting character that just doesn't seem very forthcoming, doesn't seem very helpful. And then at the very end, you get that reveal and you find out exactly why he's not helpful. <laughs> and I found that was, well, I, I didn't care for the performance. Uh, it was a little over the top and a little bad TV movie acting. Uh, no offense. Uh, but I got to call it as I see it. Um, the twist with the character was interesting. But you have this this character, Ethan. He starts investigating the death of his sister with his sister's friend, Mandy, played by Lauren Jackson. And they kind of, it's kind of a whodunit throughout the most of this, trying to figure out. Uh, they're investigating. They go to a friend uh, named Shadow, played by Brendan Fletcher, who to me, he was probably the bright point in this because he's, he's the only actor in this that really has... Uh, a resume, at least a resume that of, of stuff that I've seen. Uh, of course, he was in the Last of Us TV series. He was in The Revenant. Uh, he played the Krampus uh, character in Violent Night. Uh, been in a, a ton of things. So he, he's an actor you're aware of. And he just, he really nailed this character. Kind of a kooky, zany, paranoid, conspiracy theory type computer hacker. And he just nailed it. He was probably uh, the most charismatic 
actor in in this movie and and i really enjoyed the time that he was on the screen i wish he could have been in more of this movie uh the other actor i really enjoyed was lauren jackson as mandy i thought she did a really good job i I thought she kind of had that scream queen quality to her her acting was was good i I enjoyed it Uh, i thought her fake crying was a lot better than aiden howard's I, i didn't mind aiden howard's performance it just wasn't that great and they had a lot of scenes where he was supposed to be crying and he was doing that actory fake crying and I just wasn't buying it. And it just it, it came off as bad. It really I, I think that was a, a thing where the director should have stepped in and said, Okay, we're not gonna go with him being sad, we're gonna go with him being cold and numb and, and the shock of his sister dying and and maybe save one scene where he can really go for it. But just constantly having him weepy and sniffling and he's supposed to have been crying but there's not a tear in his eye it just didn't work for this character and it didn't work for this movie and i almost feel bad for aiden howard being put in this position because he just couldn't make himself cry and and you know a lot of really good actors can do that a lot of really good actors can't do that and that's why they don't get cast in roles where they've got to fake cry and it just didn't work for me. And like I said, his acting was was so-so. There were some scenes where I, I thought he did a good job. There were other scenes where it's just like, oh, this is uh, just like he's reading the dialogue and not feeling the dialogue. But the deeper they get into finding this website, this murder show website, and uh, deeper into the deep web, the dark web, the more they're followed. And they have these creepy encounters with these clown-masked killers and, and some of it seemed a little far-fetched, like how in the world the, the technology that would be needed to pull this off and just be where people are going to be, not following them, but you're you're there before they are. I just, I, I didn't buy it. And for the most part, the movie wasn't that scary. It wasn't even that creepy. Even that opening scene where they're, they're chasing this girl through the woods, that could have been a lot scarier. Uh, the whole her getting captured could have been a lot scarier. It just seemed kind of clunky. Like, oh, we're going to have a run for the through the woods for a little bit for no reason. And nothing's really going to happen. We're just going to catch her and drug her and then take her back to probably where she came from and and then kill her there. It didn't make sense. There was no reason for it. They would have been better off having her run through this labyrinth of a, a facility, this compound where... They had the other two characters, Mandy and Ethan, do later in the movie. But I'm sure they didn't get want to give that away. So yeah, it was just uh, it was there were some a lot of poor decisions on this as far as the logistics of how the story goes down. Now, once Ethan and Mandy are captured, well, Mandy's captured, Ethan tries to break into the facility Rambo style and like no weapon, nothing, and gets captured right away. That's kind of when it got intense. There there were some legitimate scarier moments, although things, like I said, it, it could have been a lot scarier. I enjoyed a couple of the clown killers getting killed, although the one they cut off his head with a chainsaw, and they had done a pretty good job with practical effects, whether it's the original girl being tortured, whether it is, you know, some of the, the stabs and the other things getting, you know, chopped and stuff with axes. It all was pretty practical. They did a good job with that. But then when they cut off the head of the one clown, uh, the head fell off and it just gushed blood. And it was obviously horrible CG blood. And you know, if you've listened to this podcast more than once, 
you know my feelings on shitty CG blood and why it couldn't have been done practical is beyond me. That was a frustrating point. But the female masked clown gets away, and I knew this was going to rear its ugly head later. Uh, I did like how they did it, though. It was kind of interesting, because throughout this whole movie, you're getting these newscasts and reporters talking, and they keep mentioning something about a rumor of a death cult. And everybody kind of blows it off, and I guess maybe I just didn't put two and two together with people bidding to to have the person on this murder show be tortured in the way they want to see. I just kind of chalked it up to the sick and sadistic nature of society these days but then at the very end when ethan and mandy they are living happily ever after but ethan gets captured and then we see him chained up and they begin a bidding war uh, with all these people wearing clown masks and they start bidding on who gets him who gets to kill him who whatever and we see that the the female masked clown killer from the original group of three that uh, that were in the movie earlier she wins the bid and Ethan, ooh, there's no telling what happens to him because then it cuts to black and, and and roll credits. But for the most part, it, it wasn't a bad idea. I thought it was a really good idea. I like the idea of this death cult. I like the idea of using the dark web and having this show where people bid to to dismember somebody before they're killed. I like the idea of this death cult. Uh, I just wish they would have played into it more and made it seem like a viable uh, thing I like the re- revelation at the end that the detective Sawchuck, played by Josh Blacker, uh, he was a member of this death cult, and that is why, uh, truly, why he was not very helpful and and not really making any progress with the investigation of Ethan's sister's murder. I thought that was a pretty cool reveal, even though I kind of suspected it about uh, halfway to three quarters of the way through the movie. It was still kind of cool that they went there. I just think they spent too much time on the investigation and trying to find the show on the dark web and less time on the the cult itself, on the show itself, on the dark web itself. I think if they would have done that and fleshed out those those story elements were more interesting. Having the Brandon Fletcher character Shadow be a bigger part of this from the beginning, I thought would have been a little more interesting and, and add him as a third component to this investigation team. Like from Jump Street, uh, they spent too much time uh, with the funeral and Ethan going into his sister's apartment and just uh, there was a lot of wasted time and I think if they could have used their time uh, more wisely with this story and I can't even say it's a direction fault it is a writing fault Uh, unfortunately the director wrote the screenplay so uh, it just like I said it, it was a good idea just not well executed as far as from an acting standpoint the acting was eh so so uh, there were a couple standouts. Like I said, Brendan Fletcher was phenomenal. Uh, Lauren Jackson was really good. I enjoyed both of those. Uh, the lady that plays Ethan's mom, Helen Francis Flanagan, uh, she did a really good job. The moms and dads, the parents in both of these movies. Of course, in this, it's just uh, the mom. But in the next movie we're going to talk about, it's the two parents uh, are some of the the best actors because they're veteran actors and they. You know, they've got it. They've got this on lockdown. They're they're pretty good. Uh, the unfortunate thing about this movie and why I hate kind of dishing on it and saying it's, you know, it was a good idea, just wasn't executed very well, is that the writer and director, Dan Zachary, uh, is no longer with us. He actually 
Uh, I believe he passed away before the movie premiered and he had a very quick illness and it came on him quick and, and he died quick. I believe he died on New Year's Eve of this past year. And I hate to dish on a dead man's movie, his last movie, but he did have some really good ideas. I think this could have been a really good movie. CG blood aside, I think it just needed a little more fine-tuning of the story. I think it could have been really good. I think you make a, a couple better acting choices, and it could have been really good. Like I said, you had Lauren Jackson and Brendan Fletcher who were phenomenal. They were standout. And I think if they could have got a, a more compelling lead, I could have bought into this a little more. But unfortunately, we have the movie we have, and it's it's so-so. It's, it's an enjoyable enough watch, but it's not that great. It's a kind of movie where I finished watching it, and I'm not disappointed that I watched it, but I... I wanted more. I wanted it to be better, and it could have been better. Now, the next movie we're going to talk about uh, on this uh, experiment of Tubi Originals uh, is No Filter. And this movie, when I saw the trailers, I was like, ah, okay, it's going to be all about influencers and that bullshit that just drive me nuts. Kids, you know, pretending to be stars and, and people buying into it, making them feel like stars. It just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I just don't like it. Uh, so this is the movie I thought I was going to like the least. That's why I ended up watching Deep Web Murder Show first. And when that kind of disappointed, I was like, well, let me watch No Filter and see if that one's okay. And this is a Belgian-made film uh, from director, writer-director Michael Dupre. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's about a student who, over the summer, becomes like one of the top influencers on social media. And she has to deal with her friends and her new status in school. And then one night when her parents are away, the lines between... Uh, what's real and the virtual world begin to become a little blurry and even a little bloody. But this one starred Hannah McIver. She plays Anna. She is this high school student who we meet her when she's off in Bali with her parents on vacation. She hooks up with this other influencer, Scary Scott, or, or some nonsense like that. The Scott character felt like a knockoff of the Sean character played by Joseph Winter in Deadstream. But then again, this movie is very much inspired by and influenced by the short film that you can you can find it on YouTube, uh, Party Makeup by Nikki, which uh, is is really creepy and kind of borderline scary for as short a video as it is. Uh, it, it's definitely one of those short films that pack a lot of punch, kind of like Lights Out. But the Scott character is played by Samuel Vanderswalman, and they spend some time at an old temple. And I, I really wish they would have kind of played into this whole idea that she was fooling around in an ancient temple where she shouldn't have been earlier. Because I think it was an interesting reveal, but it's something I kind of, I kind of figured must have happened for the events of this movie to be going on. But they, they didn't really even touch on it until they do a flashback in the third act and you're like oh yeah okay that's why all of this shit is going down and I, there again it just it was a, a mismanagement of time and a mismanagement of the story that the story could have been better than it really was because like, i thought 
Hannah McIver did a really good job as Anna. She played that annoying teenager that's always on her phone doing duck face and taking pictures of herself. I really liked the the scene when they get back home and she is putting together a plate of all these fruits and she's taking pictures so she could post it on her Insta account and making people think that she is eating all this fruit for breakfast when all she does is grab like a Pop-Tart. And leaves the plate of fruit for her parents. Speaking of her parents, I really loved the two actors that played her parents. Uh, Belgian actor Carol Vares. Uh, you, you've probably seen her. She's done a ton of like TV shows throughout the years. And David Coburn, who played the father. And he again, another actor who's just been on a ton of different movies and TV series, you know, playing uh, character roles. I thought these two actors, uh, I would have liked to have seen more of them because they were, again, some of the best acting as veteran actors, but I can't say that the other actors didn't do a good job because like I said, Hannah McIver, she really encapsulated that, that young Gen Z. It's all about the image and all about posting and all about getting likes and followers and all that shit on your social media. And she did that really well. But then when she made the switch to the more demonic version of this character, Anna, it was, it was really creepy. And you've got to chalk that up to, I mean, the direction I'm sure was there, but the actor has got to pull this off. And I thought she did it really well because uh, when you go from that happy-go-lucky teenager to this, this creepy demonic entity to... Back to her being a teenager who's got the shit scared out of her. Uh, she just had a lot of range of emotion that she had to go through. And I thought she did a really good job uh, with this character. Even though the character was annoying when, you know, because, uh, listen, I, I'm of that age now where kids are fucking annoying. And that's probably why I don't have any of my own. But she did a really good job. Jasmine Dowd. Oh, I'm probably butchering her name. I, my apologies. But she plays Lauren, her best friend. And she does a really good job. I like the back and forth between these two characters. Uh, the, you know, the best friend relationship stuff. And then also Lauren is starting a relationship with another person in their friend group that Anna doesn't really like named Mina and the strain on their friendship. And that was, was really interesting. It had some dramatic notes that that made you care about these characters. I think that's one thing that fell flat in the deep web murder show is that I didn't really care so much about the kid, Ethan. Uh, I mean, I cared because his sister died, but he was kind of douchey to begin with. I cared because, you know, this budding relationship between him and the Mandy character I cared about that, but there again, I just I just didn't care about this character that much. Uh, the Anna character, you, you cared about her. You cared about the situations with her friends, and that made that uh, a, that dynamic a little more compelling in this movie, where it, it missed out a little in the last movie. But ultimately, this movie culminates with the fact that. Anna was fooling around with shit she shouldn't have been fooling around with in an ancient temple in Bali. And I, I hated how they explained it because they had her go to somebody who did, did a YouTube video explaining everything. And it was just a bunch of exposition for exposition's sake. And it didn't really happen organically. And it just felt like uh, th this is the best you could do with writing this. The first uh, this is an hour and a half movie. Uh, the first hour, I was bored to tears through most of it. it was the last half hour of the movies where it really picked up and it got really good. And you couldn't have found a better way in that boring first hour of this movie 
to better explain or better have her investigate this than just, oh, I found somebody did a YouTube video on it. Like I found somebody who told me how to change the oil in my fucking lawnmower. But she awoke some sort of demon. And again, it kind of all plays into the main theme of this movie. I guess we'll get to that right now. It's that people have two selves when they take a selfie. It's quoted in the movie somewhere. The self that people see and the self that you really are. And this character, Anna, is very much like that. She's putting forth this whole image of, I'm eating healthy fruit for breakfast, but then she's really just eating a Pop-Tart. She's, you know, putting this image out there about my best friend, and but then when her best friend gets into a relationship, uh, she's not supporting, she's jealous and and kind of kind of a bitch about it. And you have this interesting point to the movie where there is this demon that is taking over Anna and using her phone as a conduit to do that. And you really don't get it, like I said, through the first hour of the movie, the last half hour of this movie. Uh, is where shit really goes down and it starts to really get good, starts to get really interesting and creepy and scary. It's the the point where you see Hannah with the love interest Tyler and him taking a bath. And that's probably one of the creepiest, grossest, scariest moments in the movie. Moments with her walking by mirrors and seeing this demonic version of herself in the mirror. Now, they did that thing where they're starting to do this in all demon possession movies where and i don't even i don't even think it started with smile but smile has kind of amped up this whole thing when you're possessed by a demon you have this creepy smile on your face now hannah mciver did a really good job with it and yeah it may be cliche but if it's pulled off right it can be really creepy and effective and i think it was creepy and effective in this even if it was derivative of almost every demon possession movie that has come out in the past year or so but yeah there was that that was really creepy the bit with the next door neighbor the bit with the former neighbor that's got the car that's blasting the metal music and what she did with him in the trunk of that car just had some really creepy scary scenes in this uh it wasn't as scary as i wanted it to be but at least they like I said, they had a lot more scares in this than in the Deep Web Murder Show. Not all the scares worked as well as I wanted them to, but some of them were very effective. The creep factor and the atmosphere and the tension was really set with this last half hour of the movie. And it needed that throughout the whole movie, and it just didn't have that. And this is another movie where they did a lot of stuff with practical effects. I mean, there was some CG blood and stuff like that. Blood splatters on the camera lens uh, done all in CG, which uh, that I don't mind. It's just when it shows splurting blood and it's obviously shitty CG. That That's where I have a rope. I don't mind when CG enhances practical. Or if it's, if it's really good CG and you can't tell the difference between that and practical. Although I'm, I lean more towards wanting practical than CG over anything. And then I really dug the ending how, you know, they're rolling the credits and they show like these little side blocks with, with people on their phones taking pictures and whatnot. And then all of a sudden their eyes are turning black and they're having issues. Like this demonic possession is sweeping the country sort of thing, like a, like a virus. Again, kind of leaning into the whole theme of this about how especially kids these days younger kids teens and 20 somethings have this sort of dual personality there's the the them that they show on social media that's perfect and doesn't have any flaws and then there's the them in real life that is very flawed and in some cases 
kind of like a monster. And that really kind of tied into that and wrapped that up in a in a very creepy and almost nihilistic way. Because how does this stop? Uh, there was a talk in this, this video about purification by fire, which I thought was going to play into something towards the end where Anna was going to get rid of this demon uh, out of herself and, and using fire in some way. But uh, she tries to, but not in the way that I think was necessary. Now, there were a couple things in this movie that really kind of... Uh, it was a little much. The soundtrack for this movie, there was a lot of music in it, like needle drops, but not needle drops from any band, you know, although there was like one Offspring song from like 2000, 2002, somewhere around there. And I was like, is that Dexter Holland? Is that Offspring? And we looked it up, my wife and I afterwards, and yep, sure enough, it was an Offspring song. You know, it's from back 20 some years ago so i imagine it was probably on they got it on the cheap unless somebody in the production knew dexter holland but uh, at any rate uh, some of the needle drops in this were just i, I would have just been happier with the score and not so much uh these are teens and they're listening you know they've got teen music playing but it's no teen music anybody here in the states is listening to the other thing speaking of uh this film was made in belgium and the director, I don't know if he's Belgian or he might be French. I'm not 100% sure, but Michael uh, Dupre. This movie is obviously written by somebody who English is not their first language because there were things that he called things. Like there's one point where Anna is in the kitchen with Tyler and she asks him to get a bottle opener and she points over and says, uh, in the closet. And... He's obviously looking in a drawer or um, what I'm assuming was a cupboard. It's kind of very low in the, the screen. You really can't tell. But I'm guessing it was a cupboard she had him going to. And I'm like, we don't call cupboards closets here in the United States. Uh, there was just little things like that that were awkward. There were pronunciations of things that I'm like, well, this person is not. Uh, English is not their first language. There's one girl in a like a gymnasium scene where Anna and her friends are hanging out, and they're hanging out with this other girl. We only see her this one time. It's not a part of Anna's group, but she has some lines, and I'm like, she sounds like she is from some Eastern European country, and like I said, English is not her first language. It'd be one thing if they would have set it up as, oh, she's the foreign exchange student, or her family just moved here from Latvia, or, or wherever. Uh, but it was just so odd and I suppose that's probably my hang-ups from growing up in a small town, you know, Pennsylvania. And we didn't have a lot of foreign exchange students. And when we moved to North Carolina, we had foreign exchange students, but uh, I, I think they were from Vietnam. So I didn't have a lot of experience with foreign exchange students. And 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 maybe I should be like, well, yeah, just, just roll with it. But it did kind of feel awkward. It's not a make or break thing. It just kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Now, one aspect of this movie that I did really like, aside from the acting and and the basic premise of the story, is the cinematography. I thought the cinematography on this movie was really good, really interesting. They did a lot of really interesting shots. There was a, a lot of shots with this staircase where they almost did... Uh, like a very subtle version of the, the Jaws camera move where you, you dolly in and pan out or dolly out and pan in. It made it look really interesting. It made it look otherworldly. There was this one shot where Anna has her cell phone and she sees herself in her cell phone, the, the demon-possessed version of herself in her cell phone. 
at the foot of these stairs. And then all of a sudden the camera moves essentially into the phone and these phone screen widens out to the aspect ratio of the movie. And we're all of a sudden seeing Anna in this possessed form and going into that shot and then her walking up the stairs was just really creepy and bizarre. Kind of had a through the looking glass feel of it. And it was shots like that that just were really interesting and made this movie seem like a, a bigger movie than it probably was budgetary wise. I liked the cinematography on this. Uh, it was it was a lot of those interesting shots that made this movie feel a lot better than, than it probably really was. But all in all, uh, I did like this movie a little bit better because I think the cast was better than the Deep Web Murder Show, even though, like I said, there was a couple actors that I really thought were good really standouts. I, I think everybody in this did a really good job. I thought the practical effects that they used, the CG blood enhancement of those practical effects, I thought was done really well. I thought the the ending, like that last half hour was full of suspense, tension, atmosphere, scares. It had some really scary moments, uh, some good scary moments. I won't say really scary, but they had moments where they were at least trying to, to do some scares. And it had a twist of what's going on that I thought was interesting. I just think they could have, you know, gave you a little more to go on earlier in the film. Because like I said, for the first hour of this movie, I was like, Jesus, when is this movie going to end? It was it was boring. And, and I thought they could have, again, like the first one, the investigation into what's going on, they could have given you some clues earlier on and, and give you a little more reason to, okay, wonder what's, what's next? Where, where does she have to go to find out the next piece of the puzzle? And they just did like an information dump in this fucking YouTube video. And okay, now let's speed off to the climax. So while I ended up liking this movie, No Filter, uh, a little more than I did the Deep Web Murder Show, it still was not without its problems. And I think that's probably the issue that Tubi is going to be coming up with. When you've got Tubi original movies, uh, they're going to be of this quality. Uh, for right now, maybe. Uh, until they, I think they get a little more adept at, at picking movies to pick up. And Shudder went through that same thing. There was a lot of Shudder original movies early on that I just, I was like, oh, this is fucking horrible. But then they got better. And I think you're going to find that with Tubi. Tubi, I think, is going to, they're going to pick horror movies that are decent, like I said, are good ideas, have a good basis for a good scary movie, but just are, are missing pieces or pieces are out of place. And I hope over time, that they are a little more selective and and then we start getting more complete movies. I think over the past year or two, I think Shudder has done a really good job of picking up movies and doing Shudder-produced originals that are more complete movies. And that's why I've enjoyed so many over the past, you know, uh, 2022 I think was a really good year for for movies on Shutter, the Shutter originals. I think 2023 is pretty good. I mean, we're still got over half the year left, and I'm hoping around Halloween, September, October, November, things are going to pick up in that regard, as they usually did. They did last year with Shutter, but I think Shutter is getting better at picking complete movies, and and Tubi's got to do that because Tubi's kind of got their back against the wall as far as being a streaming service that doesn't have money coming in from subscriptions it's all coming in from from advertising but Tubi has the advantage of being free and I know a lot of people are switching to Tubi to go there for their horror fix 
I'm I'm one of them. I've been watching Masters of Horror. It's a series on stars that I just never got to watch. And when I found out it was on Tubi, I kind of put off watching, but then decided, okay, I gotta watch this. You know, it's Masters of Horror. It's some of the some of the greats in horror putting out these uh, stories. And I love a good anthology. So I've been watching. I think I'm in probably about halfway through season two. And then there's that spinoff. It was Kind of the third season to Masters of Horror, but NBC picked it up, changed the name to Fear Itself. I'm hoping that's on Peacock somewhere, but I'm, I'm excited to watch that as well. You know, that's the kind of shit that Tubi has that a lot of the other streaming services don't have. Uh, they have a shit ton of anthology series that maybe only lasted a season or two on network television and were kind of forgotten about. But they've got them there. And they've got a lot of great movies, all the classic horror movies. They've got, you know, horror movies that maybe didn't do so well at the box office, but really have fan favorites. They're fan favorites. They've got cult followings. They've got a lot of great movies there. So Tubi is building the audience. You know, it's the old uh, field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Uh, If you build a, a good audience, a faithful audience by having a lot of really good content, then I think the the better quality original movies are going to start coming because, you know, advertisers are going to be like, oh, there's a huge ass audience on Tubi. I'm going to put my advertising on there. And that just means more revenue for Tubi and better quality purchases when it comes to buying Tubi originals. So it's an experiment with Tubi that I'm really excited to see the future. I mean, they've been doing this for a couple years now, doing these Tubi original movies. And, and I think maybe that sky's the limit, but I think they have the opportunity uh, as their viewership grows with the, the good content, the free content. If you just got to sit through a couple commercials, hey, that's nothing. I got to sit through fucking commercials on Hulu because I don't want to pay the extra for the for the commercial free. But eventually they're going to have the money to be able to to go out and get some better quality uh, to be originals. And like I said, they've just got to be very selective as to the originals that they they buy the rights to. And these two deep web murder show and no filter not bad movies they're not horrible movies they're not great movies uh, but they've got a lot of really good aspects to them that i think you will enjoy whether it be particular actors whether it be particular scares whether it be particular practical effects they do have a lot of good points that for me made them worth the watch in spite of all the things that they did wrong they did a lot of things right with these two movies and i suggest that you go check them out if you haven't on tubi and see for yourself i tried not to be too spoilery um i was probably pretty spoilery i should have put a spoiler warning i'm probably gonna have to go back and do that but uh want to thank everybody for listening to my thoughts on this tubi experiment of tubi originals and a couple uh recent examples a couple movies that came out here on tubi in july tubi originals the deep web murder show and no filter like i said two decent movies worth a watch for free on tubi want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on uh, on these Tubi originals. Check out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. We're always posting trailers and articles from all over the internet. I like to add my two cents on uh, whatever articles I happen to post on horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Also, check us out on Instagram as well. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever your particular platform happens to call it. Do that and share this podcast with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science 
science fiction. Uh, really got to get those numbers up so we can keep doing this. And I appreciate, you know, sharing this with anyone that loves these genres like you do and, and like I do. And please leave a review. Five stars will be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that because that tells those podcast platforms, hey, people like this. People want to listen to it and we need to make it available and, you know, put it front and center for other people to to maybe listen to this podcast as well. So please leave those reviews until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.